Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle L. Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. Welcome back to another fresh week. Five coming your way of Fantasy Sports Daily. Kyle Alvarez and Ray Flowers with you, powered by FantasyGuru.com. We get things rolling on a Monday, which means we get to recap a fairly entertaining uh, week 13. Um, I can't say that everything was exciting. New England and Chargers. Oh, my gosh. That, Ray, how much, How many minutes do you think he gave that game yesterday, the I, Chargers and the Patriots? Yeah, I'm struck by uh, five, like not a lot. But yeah, I, I was going to say there were more points yeah. scored in that game than minutes that I cared about that game. Yeah, that uh, there in that that game brought home the fact that there's just some crappy NFL football right now. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a fan of the team, there are some games that are borderline unwatchable. It's, there's some bad, bad <laughs> stuff going on in 2023. Uh, but there was plenty of good stuff, most notably uh, wide receivers. Like every week, we get points from wide receivers. We had some good quarterbacks, running backs, of course, even some good tight ends. But maybe. You're the person who was uh, let down by some efforts on Sunday, or maybe you're the person celebrating on this Monday morning. It is great to have you with us. We will be with you for the next hour plus. Uh, Ray and I will go game by game on that Sunday and give you our takeaways from week number 13. And then before we get out of here, we'll uh, check in with Ryan Clifford, talk a little Monday night football. We've got one more game this week that will feature Cincinnati taking on Jacksonville. And we'll even sneak in a little baseball because the winter meetings have begun in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, had a bit of a surprising trade in baseball last night. Maybe we'll get some big-name free agents with some new deals this week. So uh, we'll take a preview of what to expect in Tennessee. As for yesterday, the headlines as we see them on this Monday, Green Bay. Green Bay, a huge win against the Kansas City Chiefs, and Jordan Love continues to make strides, as does Christian Watson until he kind of overstrided and had late injury, so we'll talk about that. 49ers looking pretty darn good against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. If you took a chance on Devin Achan, you won on Sunday in Week 13. Tyreek Hill, I, I, I don't think we can have a Monday show without talking about the latest exploits from Tyreek Hill. Uh, we'll check in on the Houston Texans. We've got a huge effort from Nico Collins. Unfortunately, uh, it was colored by the loss of Tank Dell, who has lost for the season couple of young tight ends continue to make some strides. Mike Evans continues to make history. And the NFL continues to give us injuries. Derrick Henry, Amari Cooper, Ramondre Stevenson, Brian Robinson. Ray, yesterday might have been, of all of our 13 weeks this season, I can't recall another week where we had more significant in-game injuries, like where guys who were starting everywhere just left early. Um, if you had any, I mean, Henry still got his hundred yards. He still got two touchdowns, but a lot of these guys left so early that uh, it really beat you up when it came to final point totals. We have injuries every week and we have guys missing games, but in terms of guys that were healthy enough to start on Sunday, we had a lot of guys fail to make it through week number 13. I mean, it, it was, it was, I don't know if it was the worst, but it was bad. And mm-hmm. uh, it was so bad that I even lost Jerome Baker in my IDP league who got injured on a tackle attempt near the goal line when his teammate ran into him. So yeah. It wasn't just the offensive guys either. It was the guys on the defensive side of the ball that were dealing with some physical issues in week 13. You know, it kind of had me wondering, and I don't think I would be in support of this, Ray, but it had me wondering, maybe we should just take the idea of starting lineups and throw it in the trash. 
and just play teams. Like a best ball kind of? Not really. No, no. Okay. Get all the points from your 14-man roster or what, but all 14 guys start. Now, as soon as I thought that, Ray, the attraction and the agony of fantasy football's lineup decisions, you know? But but the idea of losing guys mid-game and not having any options, and I just kind of was thinking out loud to myself, like literally talking to the walls yesterday. Um, I wonder if we should just scrap the starting lineup and just say you play all your guys. Like, here's my team against your team, and let's see who gets the most points. The problem that I see with you just, and we didn't talk about this before the show began, the problem I see with this is this would invalidate handcuffing because there's no point to have a guy on your bench that's only going to get three points if everyone kind of counts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would lead to more roster churn, which again, some people love that. So maybe that is something that, that people would be interested in. But I, you know, I think that there certainly should be slash could be a place for the team point totals for the bench point totals. As long as everyone mm-hmm. knows what the setup is going in, I think you can make that case. I wouldn't really want to do that, but I can understand it. Kyle. Well, and you'd also have to invoke a rule of uh, which, which Ray and I have never been in favor of because a lot of leagues have rules like this, but limiting the number of guys you could have at a certain position, yeah, yeah. i.e. quarterbacks, yeah, three bench quarterbacks. Because obviously the way you roll the league is I'm going to have seven guys, seven QBs <laughs> on my bench. So you'd have to probably limit it to two, maybe a max of three. And, and again, I'm not in favor of it, but it just got me thinking um, of maybe a better way. But but we'll leave that for the off season as we continue to find and think of uh, better ways. Uh, best way to save at Fantasy Guru FSD20. You see it right there. off of everything. And of course, if you're looking for some DFS or even season-long NFL help, we've got that package, which is uh, on sale for the rest of the season. $99.99 will take you through the remainder of 2023 and into January with the playoff football coverage. So make sure to check that out. Okay, Ray, let's get rolling. And uh, we don't usually start with Sunday night football, but I am going to start there on this Monday. Uh, Got to say it was an impressive win. And and I don't know if last night told us more about the Packers or more about the Chiefs. I would argue probably more about the Packers uh, because we know what the Chiefs are. They're a championship contender. Uh, maybe they aren't as sharp or as ahead of the game as they have been in, in recent years, but they're still one of the top three or four teams, I think it's fair to say, in the NFL. Green Bay last night as the home team, Ray, uh, came out and, and really dominated, had a great game plan. They, they had long drives, and Jordan Love looked the part. And, and we are seeing in the last month, Ray, mm-hmm. some certain growth from Jordan Love. And it reminds us, again, everybody wants to make big decisions on these QBs and say, oh, they're no good, or wow, the Packers made a mistake. All you know, so you got to let it play out. And I think you and I have been pro love for a while. Like you got to see what this guy can do. And I'm not saying, you know, the last four weeks, Oh, this is what Jordan love. What I'm saying is the skill sets there, Ray, this guy's not overmatched. He's, he's got good. He's got bad. He's got strong games. He has weak games, but overall you can win with Jordan love. I think that has been proven. And I think for the Packers sake, you know, they're in a pretty decent spot looking forward with Jordan love. Yeah, I think that he, if I had to give a critique, I think he needs to clean up his mechanics. And, I, and I've said this previously. I don't know if this is from watching you know, Aaron Rodgers for a couple of years or what, but Love's mechanics aren't very good. And he does rely on impro- improvisation and arm strength. And there are quarterbacks that do that and do it tremendously well, right? I'd like to see him you know, square up his body, his shoulders, his hips, get things moving toward his target, you know, stepping into the ball and all that kind of stuff. 
But the end result right now, even with him out not doing that, has been very good. Like you said, the last couple of weeks in particular, uh, you know, Thursday uh, on Thanksgiving last night, he's looked sharp. And with the, the the quarterback play on a weekly basis devolving in the NFL to the point where we're going to start calling high school kids in because this is just awful. <laughs> like there's such bad quarterback play across the land. Yeah, Jordan Love. If, if you're the Packers, you might be you might have been a little nervous at points this season, but right now you've got to be feeling pretty good about him. And as a as a fantasy player, I don't know if I'm to the point where I say, you know, Jordan loves him into my QB two all season, and now I'm thinking about starting him. You know, it'll depend on matchups and injuries. I will say, Ray, to, to end the season, Giants, Bucks, Panthers, Vikings, and then if you play Week 18, the Bears. They're not a tough matchup coming up for Jordan Love. Um, now, again, I don't think that's going to vault him to like being a QB one down the stretch. I'm not ready to call that. I mean, there are going to be bad throws like you note. You know, he's still learning. Uh, last night was good. It was a step in the right direction. Something we got to be slightly concerned with is uh, we finally get around to seeing Christian Watson do things again. Mm. He had the big Thanksgiving. He had the big Sunday night. But Ray, with three minutes to go on Sunday night, he pulls up lame. Uh, running on an end around, he goes down. He immediately clutches his hamstring. That's the same injury that he had back in August that pretty well wiped out his September. And you can maybe make the argument he's been dealing with that hamstring all season. N knowing his history, Ray, I, I, I'm kind of worried <laughs> about the next week or two for getting Christian Watson back on the field. Yeah, Watson's been a really tough one this year because anyone that drafted – not anyone. A lot of people that drafted him probably dropped him at some point because he really hadn't done anything. Uh, and then, as you note here, with the ascension of Jordan Love and with the way things are kind of evolving in the offense for the Packers, he's now Watson taking that step to being that every week starter. And here we go again. And I don't know if it's weather induced or what, but there are just some guys that, you know, there are some guys that can't stay on the football field. And mm -hmm. this has got to be incredibly frustrating for Watson because, you know, it's been something he's been working with and through. Uh, a lot of young guys need to change up their training methods, you know, that kind of thing to, to find that sweet spot where everything works and I think the bottom line right now is that people that had Watson the last two weeks and enjoyed that have got to be planning otherwise, because it mm -hmm. certainly looked like, as you said last night, Kyle, that he's missing some time. Uh, we haven't had a report yet today as to what that might be, but I can't anticipate him being available the next game. for the Well, and he is still such a touchdown heavy piece yeah. to the puzzle. He's a wide receiver three. I mean, this is not an offense that is going to load up on 30 point efforts. They're not going to be an offense that says, Hey, you'll love go out there and throw 35 times. I mean, you're not going to get that. Uh, with the Packers, nor with Christian Watson. So, hey, it was good last night. Uh, great effort for the Packers. Uh, good to see A.J. Dillon actually kind of doing something. You know, on the Chiefs' side, Ray, this is kind of stunning. They're 11th in the NFL in points scored. And and I, I mentioned, hey, they're just not as sharp as usual. And this happens. You know, people kind of think, oh, it just keeps going and going and going. And, and they're still... You know, they're not a dynasty, but they're a really good team over the last decade. You know, they're constantly there. They have this otherworldly QB, you know, maybe the greatest tight end of all time. Last night, it was just kind of there for the Chiefs. Um, for a fantasy player, the disappointment's Patrick Mahomes, probably. Yeah. And the numbers just aren't there. Anybody who drafted him as the first QB off the board kind of swung and missed. Uh, the good sign, as I saw the Chiefs last night, is Pacheco's becoming a runner ray yep I, now the problem is he's never going to be in an offense that says yeah be our guy they're always going to be a team that says if we got to win and we got to score we're going through patrick mahomes mm -hmm. you know they're always going to throw the football but pacheco is doing as well as i think you could ever do in an offense built this way he he has grown what i like about it ray is they've consistently just kind of played him 
and they didn't say, hey, you got to be great right off the start. You got to be a difference maker immediately. They've just given him more and more and more. And over the course of two years, he's probably become a, a top 15 running back in, in the NFL at this point. Yeah, right now he's a top 12 running back this season. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it really benefits him, I think, to not have Jarek McKinnon there. Because then we can see, like last night, three catches we got from Pacheco. That's kind of been his floor the last month, right? He's been catching even more passes than that at times. If he can augment the 15 to 18 touches on the ground with three or four in the air, we really have a nice situation going. And you're, you're, you're totally right with Pacheco. He, I think the real question with Pacheco isn't, is he effective or is he usable? We've determined that. The, the real question for me is how long is he going to last? Because that dude runs as hard as anyone. <laughs> he runs hard. He gets that mm -hmm. ball and he's ramming the line of scrimmage and he's lifting the knees up and the whole thing. And uh, I hope he has a, a longer run than two or three years here because he's not exactly avoiding contact. But I think your 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 main point with him is accurate that it's it's hard to look at Pacheco and think this guy's really getting 20 touches a week. But in the state of 2023 football, if it's 14 or 15 and a couple of those are catches and maybe there's a touchdown every other week, something like that, he's obviously a weekly starter. Yeah, uh, big win for the Packers. Uh, Chiefs, by the way, are now eight and four uh, with that loss. Now they're not in danger of missing out on anything, but uh, kind of surprising to see them sitting with four loss at this juncture. And their next game is against Buffalo. Bills have to come into Arrowhead, so that'll be another showdown. And I don't know about you, Ray, but like the last three weeks, why are all the Titans of the NFL facing off? Like I don't, I don't know, I don't know if the NFL dreamed it up this way. But, like, we're going to go to Philadelphia next. Like, the Eagles, what they have had to face the last three weeks, and they got Dallas now. Like, the Eagles get trampled on Sunday, 42-19. to 19, But I kind of understand it, Ray. <laughs> I mean, this, this Eagles team has had to battle the best of the best uh, with, with Kansas City, with Buffalo, with San Francisco, now with Dallas. It, it and, and you see Kansas City, you know, facing all these good teams and, San Francisco's got a really tough run coming up. Buffalo has had to go through a buzzsaw. It's kind of wild how this has all matched up uh, here in the month of November and now early December with all these great matchups. And it kind of makes the league top heavy. Mm -hmm. Like there's like two or three good matchups every week. And then honestly, the other 10 are pretty ho-hum. I mean, there are games that matter like Houston and Denver. Right. But really the, the, the best of the best are facing off. And then you have just the rest of the NFL taking up 90% of the schedule. Well, they do, you know, we do we always laugh at the strength of schedule. And for those people that have listened to Kyle and I for years, thank you. But we used to be the first people to break down the schedule for the upcoming season. It would come out when our show was on the air and we'd predict, you know, what would happen for the course of the season. They, they, the strength of schedule stuff, you know, whatever. But when you're at the top, you play a tough schedule. And when you're at the bottom, yeah. you play an easy schedule. And so there's a lot of the, you know, a lot of those teams that could be, you know, six and 11 might end up, nine and eight because of the way the schedule set up and they might be in playoff contention. So the league plays a part in this with the way they set it up. But like you said, uh, the Eagles in particular, I mean, they've, they've had a rough road. And like you said, they got you know, boat raced yesterday. They got stomped by the 49ers. I, I mean, look at a team like Houston. It's a fun story, but yeah. they've really played nobody. They just haven't. They, they played Baltimore in week one, got destroyed. Um, Jacksonville. Okay. That's in their division. Other than that, I mean, I'm sorry, Broncos are, are solid. They'll make the playoffs, maybe. But they're an average team at best. But you've played Arizona and Tampa and Carolina and the Saints and the Falcons and the Steelers and the Colts. Coming up, you've got the Jets, the Titans, the Browns, the Titans again, and the Colts. Like, that, that schedule. And, and again, it's very impressive what Houston is doing. And kudos 
um, you know, to the to the head coach for for everything he's done, making the move. You know, D'Amico Ryan's making the move from San Francisco to Houston. Nobody, you know, that schedule was known six months ago, and nobody said, "Oh gosh, that's a ten win schedule." But Ray, they're, they're going to win ten games. Houston is, um, and they get a big win yesterday against Denver. Uh, the run of three hundred yard efforts by C.J. Stroud is over, but Nico Collins exploded. Ray, I call him Tyreek Hill Jr. Um, and, and he hasn't done it for years like Tyreek Hill, but but look at the yards per catch. Nico Collins is like 16.8, I think, per reception. Uh, even Tyreek Hill, even after yesterday, where Tyreek Hill had 130 yards on two catches, uh, Tyreek Hill's under 16. Nico Collins is, is sniffing 17. He was huge yesterday, but probably the big news coming out of that game, Ray, is the loss of Tank Dell. Um, who has not been a superstar, but has been a big piece to the puzzle, not only for the Texans, but also fantasy players. He's done for the season, fractured fibula on a very unfortunate injury. I don't I don't know how Tank Dell gets into the middle of an offensive and defensive line, <laughs> but it happened on a touchdown run. Unfortunately, he was rolled up from behind and he's finished for the season. Noah Brown's 21 yards a catch too, by the way, Kyle. Another yeah, but guy. zero yesterday. Yeah, yeah, right. That was a nice one. Well, it'll be different moving forward now because I'll have an opportunity. Uh, yeah, the Dell thing, I don't know why a guy who's 5'8", 165 pounds is blocking in the middle of the line. I don't understand it either. But bottom line is he had hurt. It's a terrible injury for the NFL. It's a terrible injury for the Texans and for obviously fantasy folks who had Dell on their team. Uh, Nico Collins is now the undisputed number one. Uh, Noah Brown is, is I think, the number two, despite what we saw yesterday from him. And I think the real question now becomes, does Robert Woods or John – Michi uh, kind of become the third. And this is an offense, and we've seen it all year long, and we've talked about it all year long. There has been a wide receiver of their top four guys hurt every week, mm -hmm. every single week. And, like This is the first catastrophic injury, but it's like these guys are in and out. And C.J. Stroud continues to be effective. They continue to be in football games, as you noted here. Uh, but the takeaway, again, is Collins and Brown, I think they're basically weekly starters for most people at this point. And then it's a determination that we have to make in the fantasy game who that third guy is. And if... Dalton Schultz can get back on the field uh, for the next game or not. Well, and if you're playing DFS week after week, you know, you always kind of look at Houston because they are putting up big numbers. You know, Stroud's throwing a lot and, and Collins has had his moments. Dell has had his moments, obviously Noah Brown. But the other frustration with Houston outside of trying to guess which receiver is going to go off is now in the backfield, Ray. And I guess we just have to, to admit that they're going to use Damian Pierce. And I don't really know why. Uh, Devin Singletary in the two games without Pierce lapped him. I mean, he, he looked the part. And I'm not here singing the praises of Devin Singletary. I didn't expect him to go over 100 yards in those two games without Pierce. But you now see Pierce back in this lineup. And maybe it's it's good for Houston, but bad for us. But, Ray, Damian Pierce is getting work. And Devin Singletary is kind of waiting on scraps. That, that appears to be the way they want to run it down the stretch in Houston. Yeah, and over at FantasyGuru.com, the whole team writes a trending article that comes out each Monday. And, uh, I do two of those games uh, each week, and the, one of the games I had was this game with the Texans, and I obviously hunt, you know, hit on Devin Singletary. And, you know, he's in the trending down section, not surprisingly. I think that, yes, Pierce is going to be involved. We always knew that. There was always the threat that Pierce would be kind of used at the goal line. But really, the interesting thing is Singletary's still getting the work at the, the goal line. He's, he's in the mix, at least, for yeah. short yardage stuff and goal line stuff. But Pierce got more touches. Um, Pierce was more involved than anyone anticipated to the point where he was more involved in Singletary. I think also a concern for Singletary is that Dare Ogumbawale was also involved. So it's one thing to say, Pierce, you're the short yardage guy, get us first and second. Singletary, you're our third down guy. 
if, if Dari is involved too, that takes also away from Singletary. So he's losing carries on early downs. He's losing receptions and opportunities to run routes on third downs to Ogunbowale. It's a tough spot. And right now, Singletary went from going, you know, 20, 100 and a touchdown a couple of weeks in a row to being a guy you can't even utilize moving yeah. forward. I don't know how you'd end up starting him at this point. Well, and, and for people who have both, because, you know, maybe they followed your advice with handcuffing. Right now, Pierce is the starter, Ray. Mm-hmm if you've got both, I mean, you just have to go in that direction. And I don't have a whole lot of faith in Damian Pierce, uh, but if he's going to get, what do you have yesterday? 15 carries. He didn't do anything with him. He landed in the end zone and broke the leg of his teammate. I I, I don't know if that's a win or not, but he's getting the work and uh, he's getting the football and they are giving him the opportunity again, 22 to 17 Houston holding on for that victory Uh, for the Broncos. It was just a really quiet offensive day. Um, kind of disappointing. Russell Wilson doesn't even get to 200 yards. I kind of looked at this game and thought we would see the Broncos have to, to air it out a bit more, have to throw down the football field just because simply the Texans, that's what they like to do. But this game played a lot slower than I would have guessed going into it uh, because even C.J. Stroud didn't even throw 30 passes. Neither of these QBs threw for 30 passes, which is kind of rare um, in, unless it's like, you know, Bailey Zappi against Tim Boyle. You expect both quarterbacks, or at least one of them, to throw over 30 times. Neither of them doing it yesterday in that uh, Houston win. Let's go to Philadelphia, Ray. That was a, a big showdown before the 40, between the uh, 49ers and the Eagles. And I, I would say near perfection on the San Francisco side. Uh, last Friday, you and I were hanging out here, and we were coming off the Thursday night affair between Seattle and Dallas. And we kind of made the uh, statement again that uh, DK Metcalf, he got to play him. I don't care about the matchup or anything, you know, or what he's done, you play him. And and even when we were making that statement last Friday, Ray, we brought up the name Debo Samuel. Yep. And saying, hey, even when it's not great, you still have to play him. He's a difference maker. He can do it in a snap. And what do you know, Ray? We saw that in week 13. Uh, that was Debo Samuel at his peak. The dude had seven touches. He had four targets. You know, he's never a guy getting 11, 12, 13. He's not that guy. Yet, Ray, he still can can lead the position. He was number two this week behind Metcalf. But he can still absolutely go off with very minimal work. And we saw that against Philadelphia on Sunday. Yeah, seven touches, 138 yards from scrimmage, three touchdowns for Debo Samuel. And you saw it. You get the ball in his hands, and he's electric. And you've commented for years, like, no one can tackle this guy. Like, one-on-one, you Mm -hmm. can't do it. And he's, he's slipping tackles. He's running by people. And I, I used the term earlier, and I'll repeat it. The Niners boat race, the Eagles, they destroyed them. Like, I I mean, you could have said the Niners were going to win this game. You could have made a, a play for that. But the fact that they stomped them out was shocking. And one of the main reasons they did that is they got the ball in Debo Samuel's hand, though, to your point. You know, kind of like with DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf had the sixth, 116, the three, whatever it was. He actually had fewer targets in that game than he'd been averaging the past month. Debo mm. Samuel, this is a this is a high-end touch count for him because of the, all the weapons the Niners have. But it wasn't, like you said, 14 targets. It was anything like mm. four targets. Um, he was extremely effective as always. Brock Purdy did his thing. Uh, C- uh, CMC did his thing. And it was a 42-19 to 19 slaughter fest. Well, and you're right. They were a boat race. But what's amazing is the first quarter, they did nothing. Yeah. I, after, after one quarter, it looked like Philadelphia was dominating this game. Agreed. And I think the final number was six straight possessions for the 49ers that ended in touchdowns. And all these guys were involved. And McCaffrey did not have a huge game, but a very good game. He was still an RB1 like he always is. Brock Purdy, to me, is is kind of the, the wild card here, perhaps, Ray. It, I almost feel like 
with the way he is playing, with the way this offense is built, he's a QB1. And that's kind of wild to say. He's not going to give you any rushing yardage. But it's it's weird, Ray. You could sit here and say, would you rather have Brock Purdy or Trevor Lawrence? And wouldn't you have to go Purdy? And that that is a dramatic flip from just three months ago. And, and that's not the only one. But Brock Purdy, I think, Ray, has just become so efficient and he's got so many weapons. And of course, Shanahan's, you know, doing his magic mm-hmm. with the play calling. And it's not going to be four touchdowns and 300 yards every week. But it just seems like he's a better bet for that than even a guy like Trevor Lawrence, come, you know, who coming into the season, you thought he'd be the guy with 300 yards and four right. touchdowns. He hasn't done that once this season. Yeah. And Trevor Lawrence, we've talked about previously here on the show. Uh, he's been a disappointment given the expectations. He's played a little bit better the last couple of games, but still, uh, there's room for growth there, I think, with him. But Purdy, uh, we had him ahead of, of Lawrence this week in the rankings over at fantasyguru.com. And Purdy, you know, it's so interesting to me because I think I made this statement previously. I'll, I'll, I'll do it again here. Brock Purdy and Tua Tugabaloa are the same guy. Tua gets all the accolades, right? Mm-hmm. He does national championship. He gets all the accolades, all this kind of stuff. He does the exact same thing Brock Purdy does. And it's funny because there's that connection with the coaching staff for both teams, but they just scheme things up. They get guys running all over the place. They get motion and all this kind of stuff. The quarterbacks drop balls in zones. The receivers catch the ball and run like the Dickens. And that's what they do. And, you know, you you see how effective it can be. And it's so fascinating to me that everyone talks about Tua and Tyree Kill. Fine. But the Niners, Brock Purdy's doing the same thing. He's just as effective. It's not more effective. Look at the numbers, right? And the Niners, you know, the Niners are nine and three and, you know, there was a, a wobble there, right, with the Niners a little bit in the recent past. But now, I mean, would you want to play the Niners or the Dolphins? If mm-hmm. I'd rather play the Dolphins. If I well, and we talk a lot about efficiency. Let, let me give you a perfect example here. Um, who has thrown the least passes in the NFL this year? Which team? It's San Francisco. They're Impressive. 32nd. They've thrown the least. Despite that, they're number three. In points scored this year. They are number three in yardage this year. They are seventh in passing yardage. That's efficiency, folks. They are fourth in passing touchdowns. Ray, those things don't compute that you could be 32nd in pass attempts. They've thrown fewer passes than the Jets. Wow. Fewer passes than the Browns. Fewer passes than the Falcons. Those are teams that have no business throwing the football. Those lousy teams with lousy quarterbacks. Despite the lack of passing, the 49ers dead last in pass attempts, but they're seventh in passing yardage. They are fourth in passing touchdowns. That's insane, Ray. That that I, I doubt that has ever happened. I'd love to look at the history of the NFL and look at teams that were dead last in the number of throws for the course of a season, yet finished top five in passing touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, I go back to like 1950 or something for something like that. It would be like the you know guy who led the league in touchdown, touchdown reception was getting 4.8 targets a week, or the mm-hmm. number two running back in fantasy football was getting 12 and a half touches. Like it's it can happen, but my gosh, it doesn't happen. I that is shocking to point it out the way you did, Kyle. And I, I mean, let's be frank, too. It's through 12 games to the Niners. Like, can they keep this up through another five games? I mean, it's it's really – they're walking that fine line, right? Everything has to go right. Guys got to break tackles. Guys got to be healthy, all that kind of stuff. But the efficiency is to insane levels, and you just laid out the numbers. Uh, on the Philadelphia side, again, they get blown out. But really, I, I don't know that there's any worries here. 
I mean, maybe Jalen Hurts just continues to get beat up. I mean, by the time we get to the end of the season, what, what's left of Jalen Hurts? He's, and he's toughing it out, and he's playing. There was a concussion fear yesterday, but he passed the protocol. Uh, good to see A.J. Brown kind of get back to being A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. They, they all kind of did their things. The disappointment would have been DeAndre Swift, but he got game scripted out of this game. So it's, it's just one of those weeks for the Eagles. I don't think there's anything long-term here. Um, let's move to Cleveland and the Rams. Ray, I talk about Brock Purdy and his touchdowns. We talk about Jordan Love and his touchdowns. We got to give a shout out to Matthew Stafford. Look at this, Ray. Seven touchdowns in the last two weeks for Matthew Stafford. I will say that. I will give him the plug. And then I will tell you who cares. You know, like, <laughs> it's great and it's fun. And the, right. the Rams are surprisingly competitive. Mm-hmm. Like they're in the playoff race. Absolutely in the playoff race. But in terms of like the outlook for Matthew Stafford, it's, Hey, if you got him as your QB two, be happy, but don't think of starting him because you're chasing points in future weeks. Yeah, he basically was throwing for you know 206 yards and a touchdown every week until these last two weeks where the offense has exploded. Uh, and full kudos to him and the play calling and all that kind of stuff. But like you said, uh, even yesterday, you know, this is two weeks in a row, he's had seven touchdown passes. Like he's, he can't throw for 300 yards in this offense. That's not mm-hmm. happening. Um, the, the offense has really become very much about Kyron Williams the last couple of weeks. Again, yesterday, 88 yards and a touchdown on the ground, uh, three receptions. Cooper Cup's not right. He's just not. Uh, Pukunokoa is not right. Um, you know, what he, he left the game twice yesterday with like two separate. He was yeah. ill and then he had a shoulder slash ribs. And yeah. he, he still managed over 100 yards, yeah. which is plus, but that was all in the first half. Yeah, and he had a couple carries for 34 yards. Like So yesterday was a very productive day from a fantasy perspective for Puka. But he's not right. So when you have your top two wide receivers aren't right, and let's not forget Tyler Higby, who they was they end up saying it was a neck issue. Yeah, I mean, he walked off the field holding his hand like it was in 14 <laughs> pieces, but somehow it was his neck. I guess it was pain through his arm. He's not right. So this team is is really – they're on that razor-thin edge. And, you know, it's, it's not – I don't think it's going to end up in a situation where the Rams are in the playoffs. And I'd be very concerned if I had these pieces in the fantasy world other than Kyron Williams as well because of the reasons I discussed. But uh, another strong game from them, and they whooped down on the Browns. Yeah, and and they are a team that runs to set up the pass. That's what they're doing. That's why Kyron Williams is so critical. Uh, they need a guy or any guy. I mean, we saw it with the backups that they used when Williams was gone. They, they want to run, and that will set up the pass. And uh, I, I and Ray have both been pretty critical of Sean McVay over the years, but this is a good coaching job. You know, this team was not expected to be good this year. You know, sometimes we forget what expectations were. Uh, a lot of people felt the Rams had some of the worst personnel in the NFL coming into this year. You know, they thought they were like a three or four win team. Uh, with the win yesterday, they're six and six. They have won three in a row. Now they go to Baltimore. So a little bit of a different challenge there. They, they defeat Cleveland, which, by the way, everybody fears Cleveland's defense, right? 36 points for the Rams. Uh, Ray on Cleveland side, Joe Flacco was better than anybody could have hoped for. It's pretty good. Um, at the same point, it didn't really matter. And Amari Cooper gets injured. David and Joku doesn't get used. Probably the most notable thing here. And, and I didn't get to watch all of this game. I was kind of focusing a little more on the Niners Eagles, but I did see the snap percentages at the end. And you can look at the box score and Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford. It was 50-50 yesterday between those two. Um, It appears, and Ford's not been bad since taking over for Nick Chubb. He's kind of an every week starter, but it's probably a little less than people were hoping for. 
Kareem Hunt slowly but surely, Ray, kind of working into form, working into this offense, and definitely stealing some of the work from Ford that we thought would go his direction. Yeah, and it's interesting because Ford is a top 20 running back right now, I think. I didn't look at the mm-hmm. numbers this morning, but I think that's accurate. He had the touchdown reception yesterday from Flacco. They, they, you know, they lost Nick Chubb. Let's not forget that, right? They lost Nick Chubb, arguably the best running back in football. They lost him, and they've gone with kind of a two-headed monster. Ford plays more snaps, and he runs more routes, but Hunt's always around. Hunt oftentimes gets as many or more touches. Uh, he's utilized at the goal line an awful lot. Hunt doesn't do anything. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't really done anything like in three years. He doesn't do anything. He gets what's blocked. He gets in the end zone okay. But you're right. It is it is enough of a concern that, you know, with Ford, you're never super excited. I think we had him ranked Ford this week, 22nd, something like that at running back. So, again, you got your touchdown and, you know, you know so – He's in kind of that zone where it's like I just said, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, you play Ford, you're not looking for huge efforts from him. I think another exciting thing is Cedric Tillman, uh, because of the injury to uh, Cooper. Cedric Tillman ended up leading all the wideouts for the Browns in uh, snaps, in routes run, and he was second in targets. So maybe the youngster, depending upon the health of Cooper, is someone that might be able to help down the stretch. Yeah, is it is it an ad though? It's like if you're doing it with Joe Flacco and. Even if Cooper's out, it's like, man, if I, I, I guess, you know, we're all looking for the playoffs. It's very late in the season. I don't know if any of us are finding starters floating around on the yeah. waiver wire. I, I guess if you were to add Tillman for two, three bucks, fifth receiver, you know, it, it's one of those you hope you never have to break that that case, Ray. You never want to have to use Cedric Tillman, but I guess there'd at least be some thought. To, to the proposition. So uh, Cleveland comes up short there. Uh, still in a pretty good spot despite. I, I would say this, Ray, was Joe Flacco the best? Was that the best quarterback game that we've seen from a Brown QB this year? It might have been. I mean, it wasn't worse. I'll tell you, yeah. it wasn't the worst. And then I, you know, did there were moments that Deshaun Watson looked better, but entire games? Maybe yeah. not. Well, we might have thought we were done with Joe Flacco forever. Obviously, we weren't. Uh, you also might have thought you were done with Trevor Simeon forever. We are not. Uh, Trevor Simeon comes into the fourth quarter for the Jets, uh, 13-8, to Falcons over the Jets. This is truly one of those games where neither team deserved to win. They, they, neither team played well. Uh, I, I don't even think the defense has played well. I mean, you shouldn't be giving up eight points to, t- <laughs> to Trevor Simeon and Tim Boyle. Trevor Simeon came in in the fourth quarter, Ray. He had three fumbles. He fumbled on every snap. Yeah. <laughs> he only lost one, but he had three fumbles. This game was bad. I, I mean, I, I don't even know where to start. I guess with Atlanta, um, it's more of the same. I, I Credit to Arthur Smith, maybe. He's at least using B. John Robinson. The, mm-hmm. the efficiency's crap, but he's getting work. Uh, Desmond Ritter's not very good. The, the offense is not very good, but they're in the driver's seat for the playoffs. I, it, it's ridiculous. Um, we have another backup tight end, not named John New Smith, catching touchdown passes in Atlanta. That would be Michael Pruitt. On the Jets side, Ray, the, the only thing I really care about here is we got some late news right before kickoff that, hey, this was going to be a chance for Dalvin Cook to get work. It came out literally like 15 minutes, and Brees Hall's been battling some things. We also got some news last week against Robert Sala. I missed this, but Robert Sala said something about um, Brees Hall kind of having a, an issue getting the tough yards or, you know, not being that between the tackles runner. And and then yesterday we see Dalvin Cook. He, he gets more work than he's seen in like two months. Brees Hall still gets his work, but doesn't do anything with it. Are you worried about work for Brees Hall down the stretch? I, 
suddenly people seem to be worried. I, I don't know where this is coming from, that suddenly the Jets are wanting to use Dalvin Cook, but I, I guess I'd still have to be in the Brees Hall camp as long as he's healthy. The Jets are impossibly, and I mean with a capital I, impossibly bad. They're absolutely flipping horrible. And this goes, Robert Sala, who did a lot of things right, coming from the Niners, going over there, everyone's excited about that. I don't know what what's the plan here. By the way, we got news yesterday morning that Aaron Rodgers is probably not going to play this year. Shocker. It's exactly <laughs> what we said last hours, week. We get different news or yeah. different goals for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, shocker. We said this last week. Aaron Rodgers is never going to play. They're play, they're pl the Jets are playing to lose. If, if, if you're a Jets fan, you haven't picked that up yet. I'm sorry. But they're not trying to win football games. Tim Boyle is hideous. Trevor Simeon is awful. They have to be playing Zach Wilson if, of any of these three guys, even though he's not any good. Yeah. They've gone away from that. Now we're hearing the Priest Hall is trying to hit home runs. You think he's trying to hit home runs? <laughs> you have no offense. If he doesn't do that, what, what's the difference between eight points and ten? <laughs> like, so for the head coach to come out and put – there's two players on this team that they need to build around skill-wise offensively. It's Wilson and Hall, right? That's, for the head coach to come out publicly and say, whoa, and then to give Dalvin Cook – what is the coaching staff doing? They're, they're either losing tanking on purpose, which again, okay, fine. Or they've imploded this team so much to the point they're going to have to blow it up in the offseason, Kyle, because yeah. this is this is disastrous. This doesn't make any sense. They're impossibly bad. Yeah. Well, and, and I think we said this on Friday. You still have to start Hall. You still you have do. to start Garrett Wilson. Yeah. As bad as this offense is, you still do because those guys are singular talents. And like you said, they can hit the home run. Mm -hmm. So if, if they do it, you win. And, you know, the Jets are damn ugly here. The Falcons aren't much better. Um, I guess field goal kickers are kind of the name of the game with both those teams. Um, it, but, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty disappointing to watch the Jets. And, okay, you lost your quarterback. Guess what? Half the NFL loses their quarterback. And they have been unable to coach up a single quarterback. Correct. I mean, they can't even get 20 points. Nope. It's it's really ugly, um, and their defense constantly puts that offense in a good position. Uh, they can't run block. They can't pass block. Uh, there is, yeah, it, and Ray, they're going to get away with it because we lost Rodgers. You know, we lost Aaron Rodgers. Right. First off, you didn't lose Patrick Mahomes, okay? And Aaron Rodgers is good, but he's 40, mm -hmm. okay? He's not the guy who's going to win MVPs. Aaron Rodgers is, you know, you hope he's a top 10 quarterback. Um, I guess you were counting on leadership. He can still be a leader on the sidelines. You know, he's he, he, a great leader. Like, this will never be said about Aaron Rodgers, Ray, but, but what do you think he's doing to help Zach Wilson or to help Tim Boyle in the QB room? Like, do you think that's happening? It probably is, but I, I wonder how much Aaron Rodgers' heart is really into it right now with the Jets. Well, I know that the Jets were putting out on social media the fact that Aaron Rodgers was taking phone calls for season ticket holders. Like, that's what he's doing with his free time. Being, a, being, and that was, I mean, again, think about this. This guy is a nobody. He can't stop. And the team can't stop pushing him. You suck. You blew it. You made bad. Stop saying Aaron Rodgers is a good guy. Hey, can I help you buy some season tickets? Who cares? How about get in the room, like you said, with the quarterback? Oh, hey, I would. If Aaron Rodgers called me right now, I would hang up on you and I'd take the call. Well, that's fine. I'd hang up on him. I'd say you suck, <laughs> Aaron. I don't know what he's doing. I know in the past, Aaron Rodgers has not exactly been very friendly, according to all the reports, to the people in the quarterback room. Now, again, I don't know. It's a different stage of his life. He's out, you know, doing ayahuasca, and who knows? Maybe he's a great guy now. I don't know. 
But um, if he's helping these guys, they're not listening because <laughs> they're not doing anything on the field, Kyle. Uh, who's in a worse spot, Jets offense or the Patriots offense? Uh, Patriots, and that's yeah. that's saying something. Well, and, and the reason I would agree with you is, like we said, the Jets have Hall, they have Wilson. I think those guys can be upper end at their position. Patriots don't have that. And the only guy who came close, they lost yesterday. And the Ramondre Stevenson injury rate did not look good. Ankle injury, he fumbled on the play. Uh, I think he's doing an MRI today. Uh, wouldn't be surprised at all if he misses time or if he goes on the IR, which means that Zeke Elliott, Ray, jump on board the Zeke Elliott train, right? He got 21 touches yesterday. He's going to get another 20 on Thursday against the Steelers. <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't have anybody. Like, they don't – I mean, Ty Montgomery is going to start to be involved here. Oh, my God, Ty Montgomery. Um, they Maybe don't have, Kevin Falk. Maybe they'll give a call to Kevin Falk and get him back on the team. You think – is that is he still available? Um, James White. James White, he'd be a good yeah. call-up right now. <laughs> They've got Kevin Harris, Ty Montgomery, and they signed Jermichael Hasty recently. So Ugh. that's the backups behind Ezekiel. So it's very reasonable to say Ezekiel, its floor is now 15 touches. It's very reasonable to say, as we saw yesterday, four catches, because that's what Stevenson's been doing. And, you know, they, they, they lost to Mario Douglas. He's missed a couple of games here. Who, and he'd been catching five passes a week to help out the wide receiving core. But there's no one here that dominates the offense in terms of touch count as a pass catcher. Um, they have, for some reason, decided to completely stop utilizing their tight ends. Uh, I think that Gusecki and Henry, the last, like, four games, and I'm making this up, but have nine catches. I'd be surprised if it's more than that. Like, they don't even They're use probably their tight ends. <laughs> yeah, they don't even use their tight ends anymore. Uh, <clears throat> this offense is also impossibly bad. And, you know... Bill Belichick and the defense keep him in games even yesterday, right? They didn't. They scored zero points. They were in the football game. But um, it's Ezekiel Elliott time, and it's going to be 3.7 yards and a cloud of dust. There's going to be nothing but volume there, and you hope he gets in the end zone. But, but Ray, I would say because of that volume, top – he's an RB – he's a low-end RB, too, is he not? Looking ahead – and this is Thursday night, quick turnaround. Right. Would you say that, or would I mean, you not? I would say flex because their offense is so bad. I don't know if they can generate enough movement here to, you know, put them in unless the defense turns the ball over at the 10 yard line. Can they, can they drive down the field for a touchdown? They're so bad. Here, He's in play to start. Bad. I'm not going to how bad the offense is. Yeah. Ray. The last three weeks, the Patriots defense has allowed 10 points, 10 points and six. They have lost all three. That is spectacularly bad. And the best thing you can say about Bailey Zappi is he didn't turn the ball over. Because that's Mac Jones. I mean, at least Zappi didn't turn it over. They did not get into the red zone once. Like it, and remember, the Chargers are one of the weaker defenses yeah. in the entire NFL. Now, the, the Patriots are more of the same, right? I don't think anybody looks at that and goes, oh, my God, can you believe the Patriots got shut out? They might look at this and say, can you believe the Chargers only got six points? Now, I get it, weather, it was ugly, it was messy, mm -hmm. but I don't care. Six points when you have Austin Eckler, when you have Keenan Allen, when you have Gerald Everett, and when you have Justin Herbert, I don't care about the weather, okay? Six points, and Herbert's going to catch all the hell here, Ray. And I get it. It's a killer when your quarterback goes out and has 212 scoreless yards. Murders your week. So I get it. He, he, I lost because of Justin Herbert. But I, I'm, I'm starting to feel, Ray, there's a lot more than Herbert going on here. He didn't get sacked. He didn't throw a pick. He's got guys dropping balls. Eckler's now dropping balls. Eckler is doing nothing this season. I mean, just absolutely nothing. The problems are bigger than Justin Herbert. I get the anger at him. And I, 
Ray, we know there's going to be an anger benching of Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. Who are they playing this week? I got to look up the Chargers because you know somebody's going to be so pissed off that they're just going to say, this guy's not a QB1. He sucks. He's no good. They scored six points against hey, New England. Denver this week, Kyle. People may bench him against Denver, Ray. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. And again, everybody's got different options, different possibilities. But I, I would just tell the Herbert owner, it has not been as bad as you think. It hasn't been great, but he's kind of having a Patrick Mahomes season. You know, Mahomes hasn't been great. Herbert hasn't been great either this year. But but there are bigger things. Like the Eckler things, frustrating as all get out to me. He has done so little, Ray, when he's out on the field this season. Yeah, and to use the word, he looks little now. And it's, you know, is it, when you have an offensive line that struggles at run blocking, when you can't run the football, when your guys can't catch, Quentin Johnson, <laughs> like he can't catch. Yeah. He legitimately can't catch. Um, you mentioned, you know, all these guys, Allen's dropping pass. They, they, they can't, no one has done a single thing to help out uh, Herbert out. No one on this offense. The coaching staff, whatever they're doing is not working. Um, we talked about Staley, like he should be fired. Like this is bad stuff, man. You're five and seven after you won six to nothing against an inept Patriot. Like (laughs) even though you won the football game, like you said, you can't walk away from this and feel good. So I think that Herbert is to me, he's still someone I'm starting. Like I'm not going to, you know, go rogue and play Joe Flacco. I'm not, there's so much bad quarterback play in the NFL, statistically speaking, that I don't know how you wouldn't start Herbert. Because, again, if you picked Herbert, he was the fifth, sixth quarterback off the board. You shouldn't – maybe you had Kyler Murray. Maybe you drafted him late because he was hurt. Okay. But in most scenarios, I think you have to keep starting him. I think that – the and same with Eckler. Yeah. But Eckler is torpedoed. Like, if he doesn't get in the end zone, he's Ezekiel Elliott. Well, like, there, was always, there was always the saving grace ray of five catches. Mm-hmm. Six catches, 50 yards. That's gone too. Yeah. Well, like yesterday, I get it. Bad weather. You can't have a dump off to Austin Eckler in the backfield. Well, like, he had a ball go right through his hands when they tried that. <laughs> they tried that. Um, said never again. Sorry, All Pro. You're not getting another yeah. opportunity. <laughs> well, you know, and you've you've talked about this. We've talked about this on the show. We at FantasyGuru.com warned about this that the offense was going to be different because the OC was gone and all that. You know, are we going to sit here and say we saw this coming? I'm not going to say I saw it coming this aggressive yeah, dramatic yeah yeah like we said you know he's gonna go from seven catches to 4.8 or something okay but this offense like you're saying it's just bad and it's gotten to the point now where if austin eckler you know look at his last handful of games two four two five two it's averaging three catches a game that's not even half of where he was at last year and that just doesn't work in fantasy yeah it's uh it's pretty pretty low uh, he's got 157 touches on the season. That's in nine games. And I realize, you know, he hasn't played a full four quarters in all nine games. But, you know, that's what, 17 touches, which that's fine. Yeah. But the touches aren't happening. You're not but, doing anything with the touches. I mean, he, he averaged, you know, every year he averaged at least 4.2 yards of carry coming into this season. And he was averaging 4.6 yards of carry for his career, 4.6. This year it's 3.5. Mm-hmm. And it's not all on him, right? It's not all on him, but that's that's a mass, that's a catastrophic fall. That's catastrophic. And when you have your running back doing what he has done, and this is, I mean, he's had a game of 14 carries, 27 yards, 14 carries, 47 yards, 14 carries, 18 yards. Like he's getting 14 carries and not rushing for 30 yards. Like that's impossible mm-hmm. to do, yet he's doing it. Moving uh, from Foxborough, let's go to Nashville. A uh, very entertaining game between the Colts and the Titans. It went to OT. Indianapolis wins. 
31 to 28. And there's a lot of fantasy fallout here. Uh, first off, Derrick Henry uh, got you two touchdowns, got you 100 yards, left with a concussion. Uh, so we'll have to follow his status throughout the week. Tajay Spears could become quite popular as an ad on the waiver wire. Uh, Zach Moss on the other side, a lot of work, Ray, mm-hmm. but All not much work. doing, didn't do anything with it. And and I said this last night, I, I get it. It's frustrating. Didn't do it, but Hey, pay attention. 21 touches, nine of them in the red zone. He is still an absolute starter. Even after this kind of a dud effort yesterday against the Titans. Yeah. Uh, Trey Sermon had one snap. Tyler Godson had three. He played every snap. He got yeah. every touch. So yeah, this is absolutely, this is in that same Joe Mixon zone, right? When you're, Playing all the snaps, you're getting all the touches. You're a starter. Even if you don't put up good numbers that week, you still should be starting next week. Michael Pittman, huge game for him. Um, you know, back-to-back weeks of double-digit catches. I think he's closing in on 90 for the season. So he's been racking them up in a PPR setup. And Gardner Minshew, Ray, he's over 300 yards. He has two touchdowns. It's kind of like Stafford. I really don't care. I, if people see this game and they see the moments, like he had the, the early touchdown to Alex Pierce, the game-winning touchdown to Pittman. Between those two moments, it was junk. It was really bad for Gardner Minshew. I wouldn't get carried away. I mean, 302 sounds good, but folks, you're talking about a desperation backup to me. Uh, he should be throwing for 300 yards against the Titans, honestly. Right. I mean, he right. threw the football 42 times in this game. Right. So I, I wouldn't get carried away. I kind of see this as a one-off. Uh, they are not an offense that is built to score 31 points. Remember, it took them five quarters to get to these numbers. So that was a little misleading. And just pointing that out with Minshew, you, you, you know, if, if somebody has a Herbert and Minshew combo, don't start telling me Gardner Minshew is going to start over Justin Herbert this week. Don't do that, right? Agreed. Will Levis, okay. Everything else in Tennessee kind of junky. I don't know. Am I missing something with the Titans, Ray? It's it's so boring. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is DeAndre Hopkins, who, but I, I guess Tajay Spears. That that would be the question. Right. If, if Henry's out, Spears is he kind of in that Zach Moss mode where he's going to get twenty touches for the Titans? I mean, Tajay Spears had thirteen of his touches yesterday, and what do he have altogether? Uh, twenty touches. He had thirteen of them in the fourth quarter in overtime. Like he became the offense once Henry left with the concussion. And he, you know, you saw yesterday, he he makes it happen. He moves the change. He's got speed. He's, you know, he can catch the ball to the backfield. And I'll say it just to say it. If you had Henry and you didn't have Spears and he's on the waiver wire, you blew it. You should have been handcuffing your guys. And this is another example of that. If Spears is available on the waiver wire because the Henry owner wasn't smart, he's going to, people are going to break the bank potentially because this is, it depends when, it depends on records and everything like that. But this is week 14. The majority of fantasy playoffs obviously start next week in week 15 or two weeks from now, week 15. So if you need to win this week and the chances of Henry getting cleared after concussion are, you know, 75-25 to the no, mm-hmm. Spears is looking at 20 touches this week. So, yeah, I think that he's going to be extremely exciting if he's still available on the waiver wire, though, to both our points. He really shouldn't be. Blow the budget. If you got any money left and you need a running back, probably doing it if uh, Henry is going to be out. Let's go to New Orleans where the uh, Lions won 33-28. to They came out roaring. It was like 21 to nothing six, seven minutes into this game. Uh, for Detroit, I, nothing was really exciting here. I mean, Jared Goff was okay, and Gibbs and Montgomery, okay. Probably the biggest letdown was Amon Ross St. Brown. The excitement was Sam Laporte, a huge game for him. Uh, nine catches. I think he is the second rookie tight end in the history of football to have a game with at least 140 yards receiving and two touchdowns. Or not two touchdowns and nine catches. 
think that was the number. So uh, the the other guy was like Pete Mitchell of the Jaguars in 1995. So that's that's way back. The Saints side is a little more worth talking about, Ray. Uh, Chris Olave played and did Olave things. So anybody who took a chance, he, he did very well. Mm-hmm. Derek Carr knocked out again. Saints fans were booing Derek Carr at one point. Jameis Winston came in, looked bad. Um, Taysom Hill. Oh, boy. You got to start him, Ray. I, I, I know I can't stand him. I know you can't stand him. There's no predictability. It's actually becoming a little more predictable with Taysom Hill. To where you can pretty well say, Ray, he is going to get 10 to 15 touches a week. And he's going to get goal line work. Mm -hmm. And because of that, he belongs as a starter, whether he's tight end or a running back, whatever you got him listed as. He probably belongs as a starter, does he not? And I I hate saying that because it's it's a gadget player. Mm -hmm. But right now they are so gadgeting him every time they have a chance that you can't ignore it anymore with Taysom Hill. Kamara should have had three touchdowns yesterday. He had one they overturned on replay. The next play, Taysom Hill got his rushing touchdown. So, yeah, it was close to him not having a touchdown yesterday. But to your greater point, Taysom Hill is a a must-start at this point. And I'll say it this way, and I'm going to go on a crusade in 2024. I'm being dead serious here. Okay. If we are still in fantasy leagues where Taysom Hill is a tight end, I'm going to blow this thing up. Because Taysom Hill does not play tight end. Not a, I don't know if he's played a snap as a tight end this year. He doesn't year. play tight end. It's yeah. This would be akin to us being in baseball and saying, oh, you know what? Yeah, that, that Garrett Cole's pretty good as a pitcher. I'm going to play him as catcher today. He yeah, Shohei Atani's a second baseman. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't play tight end. Jared Goff will position. He's eligible wide receiver in my league. He doesn't <laughs> play tight end. So stop this. It's, yeah. it's, it's so amazingly stupid. That providers continue to perpetuate this. He doesn't play the position. And we've talked about this. If Taysom Hill, because I know he's going to be listed as tight end next year, then Debo Samuel needs to be listed as a running back. Yeah. I mean, he plays as much or more. He's got way more of an argument to be a running back than Hill does as a tight end. Yeah. So Now, what about Hill as a quarterback? He still takes snaps. Yes. In the shotgun. So you can use him as a quarterback. He's he's a quarterback. There's no one in the backfield behind him. That's a quarterback. Okay, so um, because of the way he's utilized, because of the continual injuries with Carr, because of the fact that Jameis Winston just flings balls. Every, if if, if Jameis Winston starts, you know, Chris Olave is going to get 14 targets. Like, I'm he had some wide open receivers that he missed by five yards yesterday. Olave made that great catch near the goal line where he had to adjust and spin back. And, you know, it, so I, I could even see a scenario where Taysom Hill starts throwing five to 10 passes a week. Right. So, yeah, Taysom is a starter. It's 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 a loophole that let's exploit. Fine. But it's awful for the game of fantasy football because it's just a bastardization of what we're trying to do. Uh, we're a few minutes away from Ryan Clifford joining us. DFS preview. We'll also get to some of your questions in a bit. But let's get to these other games on Sunday. Arizona 24, Pittsburgh 10. Uh, Kenny Pickett knocked out. Uh, good chance Mitchell Trubisky. In fact, not a good chance. It is going to be the case. Trubisky is going to be the quarterback on Thursday. For that game against the Patriots, I, I don't know if that changes much of anything for Pittsburgh, Ray. I mean, if you're somebody starting Najee Harris or Jalen Warren or Deontay Johnson or George Pickens, the, the QB change literally should not change your thoughts on any of those guys. If you started them last week, you got to start them this week. I think you're right. And, you know, I would say, honestly, it's probably, let's call it a 10% improvement. Like, it's not, you know, I think that Trubisky does some things that Pickett can't do. He's willing to stretch the field. I think he can use his legs a little bit more. So it's, it, it, an overarching point to what you said. It doesn't change anything appreciably. If anything, I think it helps a slight bit. 
for Arizona, James Conner, a couple of touchdowns, a lot of carries, uh, 25 wow. over 100 yards in his return. Uh, what was notable to me, Ray, is uh, Trey McBride again. And I looked this up since week eight, the number one tight end in a PPR setup is Trey McBride. And you watch the Cardinals with mm -hmm. Kyler Murray and you watch McBride. It's got the look of a guy who should be like a top five, top six tight end next season. Like he, he is a weapon. Obviously, the Cardinals dumped Zach Ertz. So they realize it. I, I think McBride's the real deal. I, him and Laporta. We talked about Laporta, huge game against the Saints. Both those guys, I think, have emerged as very solid. I would put them in the, the Kittle area going into next season of guys who should be good for five catches, 60 yards, and maybe even blow up efforts from time to time uh, throughout 2024. Yeah, and the Commanders and the Cardinals are both off this week in week 14. So you lose McBride this week, which is terrible as we head into the playoffs or gets ready to head into the playoffs. But your point with McBride is totally valid. And, you know, I think this offense really needs Michael Wilson, who can't get on the football field. We haven't seen him get an opportunity, the youngster. Haven't seen him get an opportunity to work with Kyler Murray. You know, the, the Cardinals have a roster that's constructed of a, a bunch of players. And I mean a bunch of players that are five foot nine. The quarterback is five foot nine. I don't think Rondell Moore is five foot nine. I don't think Greg Dorch is five foot nine. Like everyone on this offense is tiny. And, you know, if you get things going and you scheme things right and you got the right defense and the right matchups, it can work. But they need a six foot two, 230 guy out wide because what they're doing now is everything's going to Trey McBride because everything yeah. else is gadget. Everything else, we're running around Kyler Murray and hoping he can flip. So their offense right now is Connor on the ground and McBride as a pass catcher. That's really how they're moving the ball consistently on the offensive side. Uh, you mentioned the Commanders as well as the Cardinals. Those are the only two teams on bye in week 14, last bye week of the season. It is, you know, playoff week for a lot of you, but at least it's the Cardinals and the Commanders. Speaking of Washington, they were trounced by Miami, uh, 45 to 15. Uh, Tyreek Hill, another massive effort for him. Ray, seriously, MVP, right? He, like, there's not anybody else really emerging. Mm -hmm. If he gets to 2,000 yards, like every week, Ray, it's stunning. I think he's got... Is he at 1481 with five games to go? So he'd need 519 over the final five games. I think that's where we stand with Tyreek Hill. But I could absolutely give this guy MVP votes, which for those who don't follow it, that is usually the, the province of QBs and nobody else. Right. You know, Tyreek Hill, you can be the offensive player of the year. But the MVP is for quarterbacks. I, I don't know if we – Jalen Hurts, yeah, he's going to get votes, obviously. He'll probably win it. But I think Tyreek Hill has a claim here as an MVP. I think he does. And I, you know, I've said these things a lot over the years. Like we used to watch Cooper Cup when he was going nuts the last couple of years, right? And I'd be like, how is Cooper Cup wide open all the time? How is Travis Kelsey wide open all the time? How is Tyreek Kill open all the time? All Tua Tugabaloa does is drop back and lollipop balls. Beep. Tyreek Kill runs under it, catches it, touchdown. Over and over again. Even baby, get... that scheme. Give it give it credit to oh, Mike. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I just you know, Tua, and I just uh, Tua's got great numbers. He's not doing anything. I said this earlier. I think Brock Purdy's just as good as Tua Tungabaloa. Even yesterday on one of the two touchdown passes, Tua threw it over the wrong shoulder, and it was almost a Willie Mays yeah. scenario by Tyree Kill. He made a great adjustment to the ball in the air for the score. Um, and so Tyreek is doing all this with scheme and not really with his quarterback elevating him. So to your main point about Tyreek being the MVP, he's in the conversation, Kyle. I can't disagree with that at all. I'm sure uh, Devon Achan was a huge topic uh, going into Sundays. I know you do Twitter over at mm -hmm. SiriusXM Fantasy, and a lot of people probably asking about him. Ray, for a lot of people, I would have said, no, don't play him. And I probably would have led them down the wrong path. 
Uh, two touchdowns. I, I I was stunned Mike McDaniel let him get that second touchdown. I mean, that was fourth and goal. You're up 38 to 15. And you're like, yeah, we're going to go for the touchdown from two yards out. And they got it. I mean, totally rubbing it in. Um, A-Chan looked good. All of his work was in the second half. They pretty well benched Raheem Mostert mm -hmm. in the second half. So if you ran the risk, it worked, Ray. Yep. It absolutely worked. But... And I guess after seeing what I saw yesterday, just roll with him. Just go with it. I, I, I was a little hesitant just because, you know, how's he going to be used? Is he truly healthy? Mm -hmm. You know, the weather there was crappy. You know, do you really want to trust a guy with a bum knee in that kind of weather where it was wet, it was slippery, all that stuff? But if you ran the risk, man, it was a total reward with Devon Achan. Yeah, I had him at running back 20 this week. Um, I think it was a couple of spots below our rankings uh, at fantasyguru.com. But to your main point, and, and Jeff Manns wrote about this, uh, Armando Marsal does the, the review of the week, and Jeff adds the plays you didn't see. And he, Jeff pointed out quite adroitly, as you just suggested, the Dolphins were destroying the Commanders. The second touchdown A-Chan scored was for no other reason other than to get A-Chan a second touchdown. It meant nothing mm -hmm. to the game. A-Chan had 17 carries for 73 yards and two touchdowns. On that final drive in the fourth quarter, in a game they were leading by more than 20 points, he had eight of the 17 carries, he had 45 of the 73 rushing yards, and he had one of the two touchdowns. Even if he hadn't played that last drive, his day would have still been a success, right? Because yeah. he got in the end zone and all that. But literally half his rushing production came on a single drive at the end of the game. In a game they were up by more than 20 points, it didn't mean anything to the game. But he is starting moving forward. Now that, now that I have seen okay health, and now that we know the Dolphins are going to scheme this guy into space and, and let his talent take over, let it roll, man. Let it roll moving forward for Devon Achan. Uh, last game, uh, Tampa 21, Carolina 18. Shout out to Mike Evans. 10 straight years of at least 1,000 yards. Had another huge effort yesterday. Big touchdown. 75 yards out. Hall of Famer, right, Ray? I mean, we don't think of Mike Evans as that, but he is, right? I remember we had a caller on Sirius XM years ago that told us Mike Evans wasn't any good. Do you remember that? Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he. I think he's behind. I saw the graphic, right? He's behind only... Jerry Rice now with like thousand yard seasons. He's tied. Yeah, with Rice had eleven straight, and Evans has ten. Now. Yeah, but to start his career, Evans yeah. set the record as your point. So yeah, I think that barring off the field stuff, I mean, the resume speaks for itself. Yeah, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, I think I buried Rashad White about six weeks ago, and ever since, every week he's totaling a hundred yards. He did it again yesterday. Uh, kudos to him. Chris Godwin, no catches. What? But he did have a rushing touchdown, so he saved face there. On the Carolina side, it's another game where Bryce Young's over, under 200 yards. Um, Adam Thielen is gone. Uh, the, the big development here is Chubba Hubbard. Ray got all the work. Two touchdowns, over 100 yards, and 25 carries. I, I hope they stick with it. And I know he doesn't have the, the, the name recognition of a Miles Sanders, and Hubbard was not drafted to be like, a oh, he's going to be our running back for the next three or four years. But he just produces, does he not? I mean, last year he produced. This year he's producing. Carolina needs to shut up and just give him the football and, and say, hey, the rest of our team sucks. At least this guy's given us something in the backfield. Yeah, Sanders and, and Hubbard ran the same amount of routes yesterday. Uh, so I think Sanders is still kind of involved as the third down back. But the early down back is Hubbard. He played twice as many snaps as Sanders. He had 104 yards, the two touchdowns, 25 carries, and was very productive. And honestly, it's the only part of their offense that works. You know, you can, they fired everyone, right? The coach, head coach, the, the offensive coordinator, didn't change anything. This offense sucks. And what has happened is that the defense has realized that this offense is Thielen. So the last two weeks, he's been negated completely from the offense. Um, 
Bryce Young can't do anything else. They can't scheme anything else. So the passing game, he went 15 for 31. Like, it's just terrible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they they might as well just keep featuring Hubbard because legitimately he's the only piece of this offense that I think they can have success with on a consistent basis. Because Thielen, who's catching seven passes every week, what they have last two weeks? Four catches, five catches? It's been terrible. Yeah, maybe it's just safe to say Hubbard is the mutter uh, there for the Panthers because it was real. I mean, there were downpours there in the first half, just a, a typical South Florida or mid-Florida kind of day uh, with a lot of rain there in the Tampa area. Buccaneers win it again, 21-18, to 18, the final there. And that leaves us with but uh, one more game to go in Week 13. It's the Monday nighter between Cincinnati and Jacksonville. Head over to FantasyGuru.com. Uh, here in a few moments being posted will be the showdown article. Ryan Clifford, as always, breaking down the showdown between the Bengals and the Jaguars. And uh, pretty well, as always, he is joining us now on Fantasy Sports Daily to give a few of his thoughts of what he's thinking between Cincinnati and Jacksonville. We'll bring uh, Ryan on here as we get set for this 8:15 kickoff. There he is. Good to see you, Ryan. Uh, we got some injury news going on tonight. Um, it sounds like T. Higgins is good to go. At this point, Etn, I guess I would lean towards him playing more on the field than not. What about the price tags on those individuals? Are, are they worth the risk when you look at what it will cost you to play Higgins and to play Etn tonight? Yeah, you know, I think Higgins, you know, sure, 11400 as a captain. So, you know, you're looking at his flex salary being um, kind of, you know, on par with like, uh, who Tyler, he's lower than, is he low? No, he's a little bit more than Tyler Boyd, but not much. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, I, you've got Jake Browning at quarterback though. So I don't like either of those guys really a whole lot tonight. I, I like ETN. If he was healthy, I, I think I would, I'd really like this matchup for him, but, uh, he's not. So. He's expensive too. I mean, yeah. he, even as a flex, he's he's the second most expensive guy in this game tonight. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, everyone's going to play Trevor Lawrence. Is my assumption. Jake, uh, Jake Browning, whatever his name is. What's this? Jake? Is that it? I said it sounds wrong. I always want to say Todd Browning, the old uh, director for horror movies. Is there a scenario where you play Browning? You try to be different. Is it not different enough because he's a quarterback and some people are still going to go that direction? Like, what are your thoughts with Browning? Yeah, you know, I I don't mind Browning. Um, the Jaguars have been horrendous against the pass this year. Um, Browning's what I like about Browning is he's a guy that will take off and run. Um, back back in college, he ran for sixteen uh, rushing scores as a Washington Husky. Um, yeah, I think he had forty yards in his first game on the ground against the Ravens when he came in for Burrow. Um, he's been in the optimal lineup, you know, both times that he's appeared this season. So mm-hmm. I don't mind Browning. I, I don't think he's going to get much ownership. I think like you said, everybody's going to play Lawrence. He's going to be the quarterback. Everybody plays. Lawrence does not have a very good record, um, playing in these primetime showdown games. Well, playing in showdown games in general, um, he's played almost 50 games in his career so far. He's been in the optimal lineup in a showdown contest of those 50. 47 games, I think it is just 19 times. He's been the optimal captain just once out of 47 games. So for whatever reason, he just is, does not uh, do well in these showdown contests. So I, I think I'd lean towards fading Lawrence and playing Browning. You and Kyle were talking about ETN, who comes in at 10,200 over at DraftKings. What about the lead back on the other side with those Bengals, uh, the Bengals uh, from Cincinnati? $7,000 for Joe Mixon. And we were just talking about workloads, Ryan, and 
you know, the only game in town in the backfield for the Bengals is Joe Mixon. They've got to get him involved to try to, you know, move the chains and help out their quarterback. What is your willingness to play Joe Mixon tonight at that price point? Uh, Mixon's another guy I don't really like tonight. I, this is a, a, as bad as Jacksonville's been against the pass. They've been super solid against the run. Um, I, I don't, I think, especially with Browning at quarterback, Jags can afford to kind of throw an extra guy in the box there to try and stop the run. So I, I don't really like Mixon here tonight. I understand why it's the case, but I'm still a little taken aback that Jamar Chase and Calvin Ridley are so close in, in price, whether you want to captain them or flex them. I mean, it's really tight between those two guys, which I, I guess we understand, Ryan, you know, Jake Browning versus Trevor Lawrence, but it, it should it be that close. I mean, is, is Chase in a much better spot than, than somebody like Calvin Ridley, who's really been up and down throughout the season? Yeah, I still got Chase projected a little bit higher than Ridley, but you know, I do think it's close. I think you look at the injuries that Chase has been dealing with uh, back and whatever else he's had this season. Um, then you look at the quarterback that he's playing with. I think I think these two are close tonight for sure. Ryan, you've got a pretty high floor with Evan Ingram. The problem is there's been no ceiling. There haven't been a lot of games with huge yardage totals. He's not obviously gotten in the end zone. He's 6,200 over at DraftKings. And then you got Mr. Hudson uh, with the Bengals. He's down there at $4,000. And while he's not to Ingram's level. He's been catching four passes every week. How do you break down the tight end position tonight? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Ingram. Um, he's kind of been like the Deontay Johnson of fantasy football this season with his touchdowns. Um, only the Denver Broncos. Uh, Broncos are the only team in the league that are allowing more PPR points to opposing tight ends than the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, so if there's a game for Evan Ingram to kind of break that uh, touchdown streak, that I think it might be tonight. Um, he's definitely one of those players that's due for uh, positive regression. A lot of times when we see these slumps go on and on and on, a lot of times these the regression happens with like a monster performance. So, you know, that could be tonight with Ingram. He's definitely going to be in my captain pool. I have no hesitation about playing him whatsoever. Mm -hmm. This game has a, a total of 40. Uh, Jacksonville's favored by 10, which uh, to play that out, I guess the, the presumptive score would be 25 to 15. Um, to hear you talk, and, and we'll let you go after this, Ryan, to hear you talk, you're kind of feeling the, the Bengals a little bit more in this matchup. I mean, that's a big underdog, 10 points, and maybe everybody will just follow that line and load up on Jaguars, but don't ignore the Bengals, I guess, for tonight, right? Yeah, I mean, I still like the Jags. I, I think it's going to be uh, a pretty low-scoring game, too. Um, but I, I do. You nailed it. I, I like the Bengals a little bit more. My model has it 25-20 Jaguars. Okay. So, um, you know, about the same kind of production out of the Jaguars that Vegas is expecting, just a little bit more out of Cincinnati. Further breakdown can be found at fantasyguru.com. Column will be posted uh, probably in the next 30, 40 minutes or so. Uh, punt plays. Ryan's always got some good selections there, so you're going to want to have those as you kind of find those cheap guys, maybe below $500, $800, whatever it may be, that you can stick into your lineup to allow you to load up on the likes of a Ridley or a Chase. Uh, so do check out the column Discord as well. Uh, Ryan and the crew are going to be helping you out as we get closer to that kickoff. 8.15 tonight for the Bengals on the road against the Jaguars. Ryan, a pleasure. Really appreciate it. I know it's been a busy weekend following everything. Uh, we will let you run, and we'll talk later in the week. All right, guys. Thanks. Ryan Clifford joining us to uh, preview that Monday night game between the Bengals and the Jaguars. Uh, Ray, you surprised by that spread? 
I mean, I think everybody just looks at the quarterbacks and says, oh, Trevor Lawrence is, you know, he, he's the next big thing. And Jake Browning, who the hell is that? But that's a big number that to see the Jaguars favored by 10. They've got the wins. Like their record looks really nice to watch them game after game. They've been fine. I mean, they're a decent enough team, but they don't really showcase like, oh, they're just going to blow you off the football field. You never really get that with the Jaguars. It feels right. Like. And remember, too, and you know this, Kyle, the uh, the spread isn't to entice you to bet. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not necessarily that they think it's going to be a 10-point. Uh, I'm surprised it's that big. Yeah. I, I would obviously favor the Jaguars to win the football game, but that's a pretty large spread. We heard Brian talk about some of the concerns, and you laid them out there, too. I agree with you. I think the Jaguars are, are likely to win this football game, but that's a big spread. I've uh, got a lot of questions that have been uh, flowing in over the previous hour. Uh, so big thank you to everybody, and we hope you've been patient with us. We like to run through all the Sunday games, visit with Ryan, and then kind of uh, sift through some of these questions. Uh, let's see. Uh, we have got David joining, uh, saying that Justin Fields was dropped in his league. Would you drop Kyler Murray for Justin Fields? Hmm. Ray, I might. No, uh, one thing I would say, I, it sounds like both these guys, whoever you keep, would be the QB2. It might be just worth looking at your QB1 and kind of how the matchups fit and what weeks you'll be using. So now that's a dangerous game, you know, because you're going to be looking three weeks out, four weeks out, you know, playing championship weeks. Both Murray and Fields can be bad. I mean, they can. To me, Fields has a little more of like the upside of rushing Ray to where he can get to 30 points almost purely off his legs. I, I might be tempted by that upside. But again, I'd want to look at the schedules and kind of see how they fit with my normal starter week in, week out. Yeah, I would drop Kyler Murray in a heartbeat. Um, okay. I'm not a Kyler Murray guy. You know that. It's been that. I've said that before he started his NFL career. Um, I look at this. They're on a bye this week of the Cardinals, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. you're making it, you're getting an advantage there. And if you're not playing fields, you're blocking someone else from playing them. Um, you look at the matches for Arizona, they've got the Niners when they come back, not playing Kyler Murray now with any level of confidence. The Bears aren't a great defense, but it's in Chicago. And then they face Philadelphia at Philadelphia in week 17. That's oh, not a good man. playoff run for Kyler Murray. Uh, Fields has got at, at uh, excuse me, at Cleveland this week or next week, which is not easy, but as we've seen, Cleveland's defense a little bit listing of late. Then they face Arizona and Atlanta. So I think the schedule a little bit better for Fields, and you get the extra game and you block someone. I'm grabbing Fields. Yeah, that Murray schedule is rough down the stretch because yeah. weather is really going to impact a couple of those games. I think. Uh, let's see, James also looking at quarterbacks. Um, let's see, he's lost Burrow, he's lost Watson, he now has Kyler Murray on by. Looking at adding Minshew, Joshua Dobbs, Jameis Winston. Um, I would hold off on all the news I could ever hold off on here. Winston, I, I almost think it's an easy no. I, I believe. Minshew versus Dobbs, I'd probably lean slightly towards Dobbs, but Ray, he's referencing the fact that for whatever reason, the Vikings are kind of wavering on if they even want Joshua Dobbs to be their quarterback in week 14. Yeah, we don't know on car. My gut read says he's supposedly had three injuries yesterday. My gut read is he's probably not out there, but we don't know. The Vikings head coach, this is not whisper, whisper. The head coach basically said, we're going to play whoever gets the ball to Justin Jefferson. And Kyle and I have talked about this. Like, it's very shocking that Josh Dobbs is kind of out the window. Yeah. I mean, Minshew's the safest. I, yeah. You know, I mean, Minshew's the guy that you know if you add, he's going to be starting. 
You know, is it is it is it a matchup? Uh, you know that I, I'm going to love. Well, it's at Kansas, at Cincinnati, and we'll see how things go tonight on the road. Weather potentially all that, but I think Minshew's got to be the out if you're talking right now because he's the only guy we yeah. know for sure is going to start. Dobbs, if he were starting, would be at Vegas, which I, I really wouldn't fear that. Um, I might hold out to get that news on Minnesota. God knows they'll probably wait till Friday to tell us, though. I mean, that's that's just how it's going to be. I, I just can't imagine. I mean, they still have a shot at the playoffs. Yeah. And, Nick Mullins. When was the last game Nick Mullins played? It's been a year and a half, maybe. I, I, it's up. just yeah. crazy they'd make that move. Uh, Robert, rest of the way, Romeo Dobbs or Garrett Wilson? To me, Ray, it's got to be Garrett Wilson. I, and I know it's painful. You're like, seriously, with Trevor Simeon or with Tim Boyle? But Garrett Wilson, like, what was it? Three catches, 50 yards. Like, if Dobbs gets 350, that's kind of a good game for him. Not a great game, but a good – Wilson is still a threat, Ray, to be 80 yards every single week, and he's the only receiving option they really have. It's – I get it. I understand how bad it's been for the Jets' offense, but I'd still take the talent that Garrett Wilson gives me. Yeah, I think that Romeo Dobbs uh, shouldn't be on the waiver wire, especially with the news with Watson's hamstring. We'll see what that means. It's very reasonable to predict that Watson misses some time. If that happens, Dobbs probably is eight plus targets a week. So I think that, again, Dobbs should not be on the waiver wire. But if I had to make a decision here, I agree with Kyle. Garrett Wilson's got to be the guy you start. As bad as it is with that offense, there haven't been too many clunkers like yesterday from Garrett Wilson. He still is usually catching six to eight passes. He's still getting 70 yards. Uh, I'd still go Garrett Wilson over Romeo Dobbs. And then finally, uh, Sal uh, put in a question about 20 minutes ago. Uh, we were talking about Taysom Hill. He already has Kamara. He's wondering about adding Taysom Hill. Njoku's his current tight end. So it kind of sounds right. He's coming at this from the angle of he could put Taysom Hill as his tight end. But then, of course, you're rolling with the Saints, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which aren't a bad offense. Um, they usually play up in the dome. You know, that usually helps their fortunes. I think stashing Hill totally. Now, I'm I'm pretty anti two tight ends, but when you get late into the season, you can start to break some of these rules um, because you don't need a six receiver, you don't need a third quarterback, you know, whatever it may be, or you're blocking somebody. I, I would definitely be interested in blocking people from Taysom Hill. Now, would I say, okay, I'm going to start Kamara and Hill, I'm going to bench you, Joku? I I could reason that, Ray. Mm -hmm. it, it may not be my perfect solution, but in Joku, we saw it yesterday, was just a mystery to Joe Flacco. Really had no interest in throwing him the football. I think you absolutely stash Hill, and I think it's on a game-by-game, week-by-week basis, whether you start Kamara and Hill at the same time. Very surprised that Hill's on the waiver wire. Very surprised by that. Uh, I would agree with Kyle. I would add him, uh, if for no other reason, to block. Uh, I think it is very difficult, if not outright challenging, to go with two guys, Hill and Kamara, which in essence, you're getting touchdowns from one of them. Again, we saw yesterday both guys had that success, but it could have been three for Kamara if the ball hadn't been uh, turned over, a touchdown had been turned over on review that allowed Hill to get that touchdown on the next play. But it, it's a consideration to start them both. It mm -hmm. absolutely is. So you add Hill. Uh, it's not an ideal roster construction, but I think you block – you block someone else from getting a weekly starter at tight end. And that might be the person that you face in the playoffs. Uh, and a reminder uh, each and every week, I think on Tuesday, is it the buy, sell, hold column by our friend, Rich Maletto? I think that's out on Tuesday. So he'll go through a lot of these names and kind of give you his take. Uh, we have a lot of columns going up over the next few days. Ray mentioned Jeff Manns, Armando Marsal, kind of giving their Sunday thoughts. Um, also, anytime you just need an answer right away, head into Discord. 
you know, that thing is staffed pretty well 24 seven because Ray's up at 4 a.m. I know uh, answering questions in there. Actually, by the time it's 4 a.m. for Ray, it's like 7 a.m. out east. So people are waking up and they can take over for Ray Flowers. A big thank you to everybody sending those questions in. We've got just a few minutes left. And as is normally the case, we go a little extra long on a Monday. Uh, Ray, baseball winter meetings uh, have started up in Nashville. Uh, still waiting for some, you know, big signings. I don't know if we'll get Otani or Yamamoto and, and some of those things, but we may see some signings, as is tradition at the winter meetings. We did get a trade uh, late on Sunday, which was a bit surprising. Ray Seattle throwing in the towel on Jared Kellenick. Um, and remember, they they are an offense that has lost Eugenio Suarez mm-hmm. and Tiasco Hernandez. So so Ray, they have lost three regulars in their lineup. They trade Kellenick. They bring in pitching that's like average. And Evan White, who we talked about last week for the contract. And and the only thing I can fathom here, by the way, Kellenick going to the Braves. So he looks to be in a good spot to be a, a platoon in left field. But, Ray, they got to be clear in house to either trade some pitching for a lot of hitting. Mm-hmm. Or they're going gangbusters after Otani. Right. And, and I don't know what it is, but Jerry DePoto always, there's something brewing with Seattle to, to make this trade and some of the other moves they've done this offseason. Yeah, because the, the trade on the surface doesn't make any sense. We just had the, on the Brave side, we had them all talking up Vaughn Grissom and how he's going to play left field. Then they basically take on a couple of moderately poor, not just poor, poor contracts in order to yeah. get Kelnick to basically be their left-handed uh, left fielder. So the assumption being that he and Grissom will share the outfield, right? Lefty-righty thing with Kelnick being on the positive side of the platoon. But like you said, on the other side, like there's got to be something here because for Kelnick, you know, has he lived up to expectations? No. Still 24 years old. And he's not a, he's, he's an everyday baseball player. He's, I mean, a, he's not expensive a, yet. <laughs> yeah. And he's an everyday player. There's no, you know, you can do that and have a good baseball team. Right. So um, they have to have something else uh, in, in, in plans. And as you mentioned there, their, their guy likes to deal. So I, I would not be surprised if there's something significant coming down the pipe. I wouldn't be panicked if I was a, a Mariners fan just yet. I'm sure something else is coming down the pipe. Yeah, the offseason is very young for Seattle. Um, they, they will find something out there, uh, trade or otherwise. And uh, they've been rumored with some of the high-end pitching, you know, not even beyond Otani guys like Blake Snell as a possibility going to Seattle. Remember, they're actually kind of loaded um, in both the starting rotation and in the bullpen. Uh, the two guys they got back from Atlanta, one is Jackson Kowar, who's been a prospect but has shown nothing in the major leagues. And then the other guy is a guy who just went through Tommy John surgery and was drafted last season. So that's like a long-term play. So I, I would suspect Seattle is not done wheeling and dealing. And, of course, everybody's descending on Nashville. Uh, we'll see some things happen uh, with Seattle or otherwise. And uh, Otani. Uh, still a lot of teams involved, Ray. We're still hearing, you know, a half dozen teams that are absolutely involved for Shohei Atani at this point. Yeah, and Atani's, I think, representatives basically said, if you start talking about this in the press, you're out, which I love. <laughs> I love that because there haven't been, there's been John Heyman reporting on it. He's not got nothing to say, right? There's nothing really, <laughs> which I kind of like, you know, let's just negotiate yeah. and figure this out. Uh, it seems like the Blue Jays and Dodgers are kind of at the Blue top. Blue Jays? <laughs> yeah, the Blue Jays and Dodgers are kind of at the top based upon the rumors, yeah. which again are not verified. Um, but there are other teams, you know, the four or five other teams are kind of circling according to reports. And, you you know, ultimately this, everyone's going to pay Otani. So it's not, you know, what's the difference between 400 million, 380 million? He can decide that, right? Uh, the question is really going to come down to where does he want to be? 
because it's not going to be for lack of suitors. It seems like a lot of teams are willing to pay. And it, those numbers I threw out might be really low. It might be 480 or 500 million, right? Yeah. But someone's going to pay it. And it sounds like uh, you know, Dodgers, Yankees, and even the Blue Jays seem to be willing to pay that price, if not other teams. Yeah, Toronto, uh, they've also been, I think at this point, they're considered the leader for Juan Soto. Man, wouldn't, wouldn't you love to see it? I don't know if you can get Juan Soto and, and Otani, but man, you throw those two in with Bichette and Vlad Guerrero. Would be... <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's not <laughs> possible. It's the middle of the order. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's like the Padres thing we were talking about. Like, you can't you can't be paying $2 billion in salaries, yeah. right? So, Well, you know, and, and this is, I, I don't even know if this is legal, but Ray, Toronto, uh, they and the Braves are the only two publicly traded companies. Right. Uh, Toronto's, is it? what is it cbc is that the the television i'm trying to think whoever owns the blue jays it's the big uh television conglomerate in in canada and again i don't even know if it's legal but ray it's like hey you want ownership in a tv business (laughs) if we'll give you we'll throw in you know 200 million shares of our tv (laughs) yeah you'll be a part you'll be a 20 percent owner in a tv (laughs) company maybe maybe that's what otani's looking for we'll pay you a million dollars a year in salary and here's the rest in stock yeah It'll be interesting to see how this works out too, because I, I I wonder what the appetite for his representatives and, and Otani in particular is for a inventive contract, right? Is mm-hmm. it I just want to get paid, or is it hey let's talk about this? You just gave me you know 180 acres of oceanfront. Pro- I, I don't you know I don't know what they will decide. Well, and, and Toronto is an extremely international city. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they got people from all over the world. It's one of the more uh, internationally you know. <laughs> expatriates everywhere coming in Toronto. So maybe that's appealing to somebody like Shohei Itani. Uh, We shall see. Obviously, he's going to break the bank no matter where he ends up. Uh, we just don't, we, we, we are pretty certain he uh, won't end up with the Pirates. That's that's the uh, expectation. Rogers Communications. Thank you, Mark, uh, for the answer. Yeah, the Rogers Center is where they play. Um, Rogers, R-O-G-R-E-S. Mm. Not the American spelling of Rogers. Oh. Yeah, R-E-S. That gets, that gets guys like Ray every time that they write about the Rogers Centers. They have to spell it the, the Canadian style. Uh, Ray, good stuff today. Uh, tomorrow we'll do it again. I think Justin Fincerman's going to stop in for some basketball. We'll obviously recap the Bengals and the Jaguars. And a lot of injuries to follow, so uh, probably some updates on that coming up tomorrow. Looking forward to it, Kyle. I uh, hope people enjoyed the show today, and they'll be with us again tomorrow. Yeah, we'll get rolling at 11 a.m. Eastern. Big thank you to everybody uh, tuning in and firing some questions. Thanks to Ryan Clifford as well. We'll catch you on Tuesday. This has been Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.